Hello and welcome to another episode of The Smug Buds. I, of course, am your host, Spider-Man. Who else would I be? I'm joined by your other host, Spider-Man. Hi, Spider-Man. Hi, Spider-Man. What are we doing? Spider-Man 2, the uh, video game, uh, came out uh, a couple of days ago. Oh, is that what you've been doing with your time? It is entirely what I've been doing with my time. In fact, I took a day off work on the uh, Friday that it was released. Oh, hell yeah. Is it good? In order to play it all day. It's just what the doctor ordered. Good. Uh, it is uh, a very video gamey video game and just the type that I'm looking for. And it means that I am Spider-Man, but uh, I am also his friend, Spider-Man. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, but actually you're Liz and I'm Will. And how are you, Liz? I'm good. I'm tired. I did want to tell you that Elliot, speaking of video games, that Elliot asked me the other day, Mama, do you not like the video games where you just move left and right, but Papa does? And I was like, yes, that's correct. I don't like side scrollers and Kenny does. (laughs) Yes. And Elliot, uh, with a, a keen insight into, uh, my decision making on Friday, October twentieth, when not only did Spider Man two come out, but also Super Mario Brothers Wonder came right. out. Right. Yes. Which which is a side scroller and I have not bought and, and I am not playing. Although I probably will at some point, but it is probably like the least exciting Mario game for me that they could put out. I did see I would, a really- I would much rather play a new three D one than I- a new side scroller. I did see a, an article from NPR that said something about how it was, like, really weird and good. Like, it was, like... It's supposed to be really special. Yeah. yeah. So that's exciting. Getting, getting great reviews. Uh, I will I will get around to playing it at some point, and I'll probably enjoy it. But for now, I'm Spider-Man, and I'm also Spider-Man. <laughs> and also, there's a third character in the game whose name is Spider-Man, and that is a cat at a bodega. But uh, more importantly, I think we have no shortage of old business. Yes, I, I, I personally sent you a list of three things. Old business. Okay, so the first thing on my list is uh, misheard. Mm-hmm. So, Elliot had... <laughs> this is the worst one ever. It's like, it's not bad because I r- really grossly got the words wrong. It's bad because of how often I encountered this for 13 years of my life. I see. I went to go to Elliot's school for this, like, bring a special person to school breakfast. Okay. And afterwards, I got to go to the classroom and for the morning show, which is when they have a Zoom call with everybody in the school and the principals say some words in the library. And with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> yeah. Yes, John some Hamm, yeah. very uncharismatic children, bless them, were the hosts. Ah, okay. <laughs> not not the morning show that I'm thinking of. Though. Yeah. Okay. Not the one on Apple TV. Thank you. Um, though they did, this is not Apple TV related, but they did end with the Snoop Dogg affirmation song. That sounds nice. I'm not familiar, but okay. It's like a kid song that Snoop Dogg wrote, but there there is this but I was listening to it and there was uh like a part that was like every problem has a solution. And I was like, 
<laughs> I wish that were true. And then it was like, <laughs> I control my own happiness. And I was like, my seasonal affective disorder disagrees. <laughs> but the thing that I have misheard that I have been saying wrong for my entire life is the mm. Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> okay. So fill in the blank. I pledge allegiance to the flag, the United the, States of America. Of the. Yes. I thought it was and. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was that's I pledge one... allegiance to the flag and also the United States mm. of America. But you were just saying and. I was right. saying I was saying and the. And the I pledge allegiance to the flag and the United Okay, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, when I tell you that I thought that this was wrong, I literally looked it up on my phone as if I did not trust what they had put onto this, like, PowerPoint that they were playing on the Zoom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you ever um, hear of a, or see a, a, a cartoon show called Hysteria? No. I think this was on Kids WB. Uh-huh. When we would have been, I don't know what age, but maybe like tweens. Mm-hmm. And I watched it plenty. And uh, the, it basically it was like, how to describe hysteria. The pun is that it's supposed to be history, but oh. also hysteria. Yeah. And so it's supposed to be teaching you history, but with this cartoon that is like really obnoxious in the way that a lot of cartoons were, were yeah it, it, and, and uh so like there's like two, two characters who come to mind kid loudington was the name of a character who <laughs> always shouted and another character was named big fat baby <laughs> but i just bring this up because basically they would do like sketch comedy yeah uh, cartoons teaching you history and one was about the pledge of allegiance and like the writing of it and the and the premise of the sketch was that the person who wrote the Pledge of Allegiance had very bad handwriting, <laughs> and then someone else had to present it for the first time, and they were just reading what they. And I think it, maybe it was Kid Loudington who was like shouting the whole thing, and I have committed to memory. <laughs> I can never forget this. I can't get it out of my head. Anytime I think of the Pledge of Allegiance, I think of. The rewritten version from Hysteria that says, I pledge Ali Sheedy to the slag of the United States of Emilio and toot to repugnant for Richard Stans, one naked undergarment with Liberace and puffed rice for all. <laughs> oh, we're so blessed by this. I'm so glad I brought this up and admitted my foolishness so that we could hear you say that. Oh, my what God. What, what else, Liz? Um, I just did, what was my last episode on? Which was our last episode? Um, uh, not Boy Genius, because that was earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a parenting topic. Screen time was your last episode, yes. right? It was screen time. And I was like, as you know, I'm like very, as I describe myself as I'm always looking for the yes, not looking for the no. And I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of parents are looking for the no. Um, and I think that it's better. It's a very improvisational, which is also to say that I am not one who normally gets into sort of like wild fits of outrage either. Like Mm. very often when people are responding to things like that and I'm always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like chill out. You're losing Mm. your mind for nothing. 
I had, I saw a video on TikTok, which I will actually link on YouTube because it was just the same thing, but broken up into two parts. Um, about a video game thing that I had the most visceral reaction to. Mm. Um, and I was so glad that I saw it before I exposed my child to this thing. Yeah. And that thing is Roblox. <laughs> ah, okay. Yes. Okay, so what do you know about Roblox? I know a little bit about this. Um, but I, I'm not sure how to describe it. It's like, it's, it's, I, I assume it is a reaction to Minecraft. Mm, yeah. And it's a kind of, Anyone can can load up Roblox and sort of design their own like mini game mm-hmm. and then post them and then anyone can go in there and play other people's mini games that are posted. But not only that, also they are the games are like massively online multiplayer. So yeah. like the context in which I've seen it mainly is Game Grumps going on Roblox to play a version of Squid Game Mm. where everyone's booting this up and like a hundred people are in a lobby and then they start doing mini games like it's Squid Game. So I think that that's pretty much right. Um, The thing that I learned that made this so um, insidious and Mm -hmm. made me horrified (laughs) was that um, it's so the 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 youtube channel i forget the actual name of it and i will link the video in the comments but basically they're looking at labor mm-hmm. and basically their thesis is that roblox is exploiting child labor yeah and this is why so in roblox you have you pay for the games that you want to pay using robux yeah and roblox it's like $1 equals 1000 robux sure um and then when you're actually in the system and you're using Robux, um, you can do things like design games and then you post the games. And if a lot of people play your games, you'll get paid out in Robux. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. So that all seems like a great idea. And also the idea of this sort of like having a easy to access building platform is like really fun and and, and then letting other people play your games. Except... Right. Mm-hmm. that there are these things that happen. So let's say I'm 14, I'm 12, 13, 14, I'm a kid and I am a I want to develop games on Roblox. So I go in and I spend a huge amount of time developing a game because even if you have an easily accessible building platform, it's still going to take hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, right? Yeah. Now I post my game. Well, really the only games that are played are on the front page. So mm-hmm. I'm going to pay for advertisements. Hmm advertisements make it so that it's more likely that my advertisements isn't exactly the right word, but it'll be more likely to show up on the front page, except when you, to pay for advertisements, you use Robux, Mm -hmm. except, um, that's not actually paying for an advertisement slot, right? It's not saying 25 people. If you pay this much money in Robux, 25 people, it's putting you into a lottery, Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself is like you're just shoving money hoping that something sticks. Right. There's no guarantee. 
Then also, when you do get paid out, Roblox takes a cut of sure. what, the amount of Robux you're making. Yeah. But And this is where it gets really fucked up. If you try to export, let's say, that money out from Roblox into real cash again, it is worth, I think, a third. So if I put $1,000 into Roblox into Roblox as Robux and I want to take yeah. that money out, I now have $333. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's this is essentially – this is illegal yeah. in other – instances because there used to be you know like mining towns where they'd give you they'd pay you in company credit company store yeah and you could buy everything at the company store um the other way that this gets insidious is that again mostly children are on this platform right right yeah so mostly children are the one that are doing all these labor doing all this labor well children are a group of people that don't know their rights as laborers and yeah. so if they're doing this thing for fun, uh, you and you might say, well, they're doing it for fun or whatever, right? Except for the fact that Roblox is looking into and using every single piece of data that they've collected from these people to have AI build games. Mm-hmm. So they're essentially doing labor for this company with no rights, with no idea that their information is being used this way, to then replace them as creators to begin with. Sure, yeah. Um, and then on top of all of that, there is an in-game casino uh-huh. where you can bet Robux. Yeah. And it's not considered gambling because mm-hmm. it's this currency that's within the game, except the currency has a direct pipeline from liquid cash. Right. Yeah. And so you have children literally gambling with real money mm-hmm. that has just been converted into this like fake currency that yeah. still has power because the company gets to keep it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And even if they did win big, when they cashed it out, it would be at such a small percentage. But yeah, it's evil. It's like actually evil. Oh yeah, evil. It's, really, it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I highly suggest you watch the full video because this they have all the numbers. The, 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 the also, as a side note, the wildest thing about this video besides the like horrors of everything I just described is that there's a chat feature in Roblox too. Like yes. that's part of it. This is what I was going to bring up. Yeah. So the one kid that they interviewed, so they interviewed a few kids. They interviewed one kid who's like a developer and takes it really seriously. Um, but they also interviewed a kid who just plays Roblox. And when they were sitting with him and his dad, they had brought up like, and he, the kid goes, yeah, and I mean, like and adults are always trying to like steal your information and stuff. And his dad was like, what? When did that happen? And he's like, it happens all the time. He's like, people will say like, oh, where are you from? And he's like, I just always lie and say, you know, that I'm an adult, basically. Mm-hmm. And the, he's like, but you can tell that they're adults. And the ca- like the cameraman who's like not supposed to be talking is like, how can you tell that they're adults? And he goes, they type faster. Mm-hmm. And the, everyone's look on, like the look on everyone's faces. And I had sent this to like my co-editor, Laura, and she was like, she was like, I, I don't want to judge this dad, but like, how did this dad not know that this was happening? And I was like, you know what? I bet that this dad taught this kid internet safety. So this kid probably didn't even think to mention it because in mm-hmm. his mind, he was doing the right thing. Sure. He was just doing what is, he understood what was happening and he understood that he should interact with that person. So he just like lied to them to get them off his back and then moved on. Yeah. 
So that's my update on Roblox. Do you have any? <laughs> no, yeah. I, I was only going to add that uh, understanding little to nothing about the economics of the thing as you've laid it out, I already understood that it's a big online game with a chat feature, including voice chat, which I assume you could could be optional. Maybe you could toggle it off. But mm-hmm. suffice it to say, don't, do not, don't, no, no, <laughs> don't, no child should be on a platform where any stranger could be communicating with them. Yes. I don't think that adults should be allowed. <laughs> to, 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 I don't think that video games for adults should be allowed to create a direct line of communication between the player and any random player. I mean, I, I do it all the time, but I don't think it should be allowed. I think the world would be a better place without it. Yeah. Yeah, there was a guy that my... I had a group of friends that I... Including my ex-boyfriend that used to play... Um, was it Halo? It was Halo of Call of Duty. Something that they were... An online game that they were playing. And mm-hmm. there was one guy that they met who uh, had like a really specific accent who would always write, like, I feel like he would always, he would always write his name on the wall, and I can't remember what his name was, but it was funny. And then, like, they would talk to this guy, like, every day, and then one day he disappeared, and then, like, six or seven months later, he showed up once, and they were like, dude, where have you been? And he was just like, oh, man, I had to run. I had to, I had to, I got in some trouble with a lie. I had to run. And then, like, Mm -hmm. he, like, wrote his name in bullets on the wall, and then they never saw him again. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. That's an ordinary story in yeah. the new millennium. Okay, so that's Roblox. So I just want to add to the addendum to my thing that when I said mm-hmm. video games in general are good, my, my <laughs> addendum is that that Roblox... Well, and to be fair, one of the things that they said was that like Roblox isn't really a game. It's a social media adjacent development platform. Mm-hmm. And that by advertising it as like, a bunch of games you can play is like not really accurate to what most of the activity is on there. Right. Um, but that said, Roblox is bad. I was horrified. Ella will never be allowed to play Roblox as far as mm-hmm. I can tell. Um, yeah. The third thing is Boy Genius had their EP come out called The Rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you listened to it at all? I have uh, two or three times. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorites or anything before I sort of tangent? <laughs> No, I'll just say a uh, general thumbs up. Uh, I like it, but I don't have more specific thoughts than that on any of those songs. I think that Afraid of Heights is sort of the song that... The the the, the EP itself definitely is an EP. It's very thematically similar to each other, and the songs are structured. I know I talked a lot about in the Boy Genius episode about how like Julian specifically doesn't like having choruses. And that if um, Phoebe has a chorus, very often she ends up, like, changing the lyrics each time. Um, and this album definitely feels like – it's not that the songs feel incomplete, but they de- they almost feel like um, like vignettes or something. Um, mm-hmm. Afraid of Heights is definitely, like, the most pop song of them. It's a short EP, too. It's, like, 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Afraid of Heights is, like, the single – sounding one like that one's the one that sounds like something you 
that feels like a more traditional song. I don't want to say it feels the most complete because I think the other ones are complete, but just in a very different way. Um, my favorite song is the last song, which is Powers. Um, and I listened to an interview last night um, with the guy who interviews people for Apple Music. I think his name's Zane. Um, but he had interviewed them when I had watched his interview with them when the record came out. And so it was interesting. They did another record, uh, another one. And so it was interesting because the first interview was before the tour and this was after the tour and et cetera, et cetera. And when they were talking about, um, powers, part of the reason I like powers is when I was listening to powers, I had two thoughts, which was that the first part sounds like Nutramilk Hotel and the last part sounds like Sufjan Stevens. Interesting. <laughs> and when they were talking about it, they said, that the first part sounds like Nutramilk Hotel and the second part sounds like Sufjan Stevens, which like, I'm glad that it was obvious, but I also just like, I was like, I'm smart. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, That's the definition of smart. Yeah. I was smug. Uh-huh. Um, that helps, yeah. But the sort of interesting thing is that I guess Julian felt really self-conscious about the lyrics to the song. So the, so even though Lucy and um, Phoebe had heard sort of the song before it was like 20 minutes before they were about to record the vocals and sh- they like went into they like cornered julian and they were like you have to tell us what the lyrics are we're singing this in 20 minutes mm-hmm. and they said that when julian first sang it to them she was like mumbling she was just like and they were like girl you gotta enunciate so then they went into um they did get her to go into the studio and she goes in and she starts playing and she either hits the wrong note or something twangs where it's like off and she goes and then she starts playing the rest of the song and what I learned in the interview was that was the first take so the first take of this they did um she did that little sigh because the note had been wrong and they said that it was also a different process of recording too because with the record it was like 30 days of 12 hour days they were working with this producer that they really loved um it was like really intense um and with this you know they were coming back to these songs that they had already written that hadn't made it onto the record but what they ended up what lucy described as what lucy said in summary, was that they invited all of their friends and producers that they're used to working with in the studio. So there were a lot of people in the booth as opposed to just like one or two when they were recording. But what Lucy said out loud was, we invited all our little guys to come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so they said that when they were in the studio, like in the box, like listening to Julian record this, they they could tell that Julian just thought, oh, that's just going to get cut out. But every single person in that box was like, this is what's going on the album. Is like her Mm -hmm. sighing there needs to go on the album. Mm -hmm. Which feels especially, which they said, and I was also thinking this too, also made a lot of sense to them because they had just actively been talking about Neutral Milk Hotel and In the Aeroplane Mm -hmm. Over the Sea, which as I think we may have even discussed on the podcast, at the end of O'Comely, which they did in one take, you Mm -hmm. can hear the drummer go, oh shit! Because Mm -hmm. they like just nailed it. Right. Um, But I guess the one thing that I wanted to point out, the one sort of last thing I wanted to point out about that is that when they were talking to Julian in this interview, and I think that this is sort of like the peak of their sort of friendship and their intimacy that everybody's so obsessed with and that I, I feel like I have with a lot of my friends. And so it's really beautiful to see it reflected sort of publicly. Um, is that Julian seems still kind of embarrassed about this little side that's on the album um, and this little error that she made, um, and maybe even the song, because even when you listen to the song, it almost sounds like the sensitivity on the mic is really high, and that's the only reason we can really hear her. 
Mm-hmm. Like, she still isn't totally opening her mouth the whole way. Mm. And it was very clear to me in watching this interview that she loves and trusts her two friends so much that when they said, no, this has to be the version that's on the album, she just acquiesced any sort of, like, concern or uncomfortability or nervousness or embarrassment around that take to her friends that she trusts so much, which I think is really beautiful. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, that's some some good information for, you know, casting a, a light on how to listen to the, the music. Also, my uh, my vinyl didn't get here yet. It was supposed to get here yesterday by nine o'clock. And when I checked the shipping, mm-hmm. it's supposed to get here on Wednesday now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Too late. Um, but yeah, I think that's all of my old business that I can think of. Do you have any old business? No, I mean, I, I, I think uh, I want to say in the under the umbrella of old business that we are not presently going to talk about the new Wes Anderson shorts. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say anything about them. I just sort of want to acknowledge that they exist and put a pin in that topic. Like maybe next month our yeah. episode will be about Henry Sugar and the other shorts. Um, but uh, we can talk about that later. Yeah, cool. Sounds good. Instead, this is a Will episode. Liz is holding up an item. Uh, Liz was uh, here in my neck of the woods recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, what did what did you do while you were here? I Liz? read a poem at a wedding mm-hmm. in the and, desert. And- and you did it very well. But what else did you do? I received this pouch from you. <laughs> you sec- you secured the bag. And <laughs> and you still have it today, so you haven't fumbled the bag. And, and that's, <laughs> I'm going to take a photo good. of it so that we can put it in the show notes. <laughs> you're, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, so, uh, Liz, uh, I have instructed you not to open the bag. Uh, uh, but uh, do you have a guess or an assumption about uh, its contents or the subject of the episode. So I haven't really touched the bag too much. Yeah. But now that I'm feeling, but I did notice it was not particularly heavy. Right. And let's do some ASMR. It feels like there's paper inside. Interesting. Okay. And what would that indicate to you? Um, Some sort of instructions or Mm. questions or prompts or prompts yeah you might say yeah um it it, uh you could be forgiven for not remembering this because it was approximately 100 years ago (laughs) you did an episode of this podcast which we called grab bag right oh this is the bag i gave you gave me an actual bag (laughs) i gave you the grab bag yeah (laughs) Um, Liz did a grab bag episode where Liz took uh, several topics which she could speak smugly on Mm -hmm. and they were all sort of uh, too small of subjects to be full episodes of the podcast and these topics went on to little pieces of paper and they went into a hat Mm -hmm. and also uh, if I remember correctly you asked friends Yes. To come up with their own ideas of topics of a similar size and uh, quality. And uh, they remained a secret to you. 
until they were pulled out of the hat by me on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so I decided uh, I had some topics of my own that I could talk about, but wouldn't be a full episode. And I thought I would take advantage of you being physically present in the same space as me to uh, give you the bag to pull the topics out of. So I came up with about a dozen of my own. I threw away three of them. I think nine of them went into the bag. Nice. And then I don't know how many (laughs) topics written by local friends of mine also went into the bag. uh, And I don't know what they are. But if everyone understood the assignment in Mm -hmm. modern parlance, then when I hear them, I will be able to spend a few minutes saying my piece about them. Nice. So uh, at your leisure, Liz, please begin the grab bag by randomly selecting a topic. I have opened the bag. I have grabbed a topic. I'm on the edge of my seat. I can't tell if this is your... I actually realize I have no idea what your handwriting looks like. And you never will. <laughs> uh, what makes a joke funny? I did not write this one. <gasps> okay. Clearly, clearly no one has signed it. And I, it's in like title caps. Or it's in like small caps. Mm-hmm. Where the W is capped and then the H is capped, but it's littler. Yeah. Yeah, so I had friends come over, I gave them pen and paper and the bag to put their topics in, and uh, we were just hanging out watching something, and I think it was like an hour in, I was like, oh yeah, and you could write your names on them if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that was too little too late, at least in this case and maybe others. Um, what makes a joke funny? Uh, I I don't have a prepared statement for this <laughs> but just yeah, we started you on a hard one well just off the top of my head you know i think the main thing is misdirection right yes i'll give you an example so i think i i could this could launch me on a tangent that wouldn't be really directly answering the question yeah and the tangent would be about comedy tv shows and which ones have jokes and which ones don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my preference for the ones that have jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think the the pinnacle of joke, joke-focused joke comedy on TV that I've seen is 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. And the shows that have you know, followed in that wake are like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which had very similar writing. And uh, also currently on Peacock is this show called Killing It. Have you heard of Killing It? I feel like, yeah, I must have seen like an ad for that at some point. Who's in that? It's super, super funny. It's Craig Robinson from The Office. Okay. And uh, Claudia O'Doherty. Yes. Okay. Who was on Netflix's Love. And she is so, so funny. And yeah. I, I, we love her. Uh, but anyway, I just bring up that show because it has these, you know, joke jokes in dialogue that really remind me of 30 Rock. I'll give you an example of maybe my favorite 30 Rock joke. Okay. I cannot remember the context at all. It is just Tracy saying 
you know, insisting no, right? He's just insisting on something no. And he says, N O E. <laughs> no. E. And that's what that's one of the funniest jokes in my mind because it is it is it is oh it would be funny if he spelled no wrong yes and he thought there was an e at the end of it and he's doing the thing where you spell something out and then say the word and then he doesn't say no to follow up spelling it he says no e <laughs> And there's no reason for that. <laughs> there's no reason to say that, except it is a punchline to the misdirection of you think you know what the setup is. You think you know, haha, he misspells no. No, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> that joke is so funny because it's like two jokes in one and it really it's such an economy of like it takes so few syllables to to, to get the joke across <laughs> explain yeah. that joke it's like a joke for a child i am um, um another I, show i just want real quick we're currently watching season two of our flag means death yes we're gonna start we just finished one piece so we're moving from one pirate show to another pirate show soon yeah you've got pirate fever and that's understandable uh, we've got a bit of it in this house too, but um, that's a very funny show that has jokes, but it's not as reliant on jokes as, say, like a Thirty Rock, yeah, or a Kimmy Schmidt. There's more, uh, also character based and like situational based comedy, but it also has some good jokes. Like um, this next one is going to be harder for me to recount, but I really laughed in this last episode where. Um, one character, one of the pirates is reading off of a parchment to the main guy, Reese Darby's character. And I think she's translating for him, which is why she's the one reading it. And she and she's reading off of it saying like, uh, this whole ship is cursed. Uh, don't touch anything on it or you'll be cursed. Especially don't touch this uh, item of clothing because you will be and she and you know and she pauses and and he goes you'll be what <laughs> right <laughs> it's very funny because she says cursed like 10 times reading it and then she pauses before the last time and he's like what does it say <laughs> you know that's, that's like it, there, there's and and there's like there's something very old fashioned about that like that could be that joke could be in a vaudeville routine, yeah. Right, and I just think that like that that type of airtight joke writing just like still holds up for me so well. And a part of it is the performance, yeah. Man. The delivery, and the execution, yeah. So yeah, the execution makes it really funny. Anyway, sorry I interrupted you before I. Oh, I just wanted to tell you too that I finished watching Search Party, mm-hmm. and um. That also had one of my – and that show is, like I – re- I feel like I need to rewatch that show. Like, I wish that I was a teenager and could rewatch that show, like, 20 times. Yeah, so uh, – yeah, for sure. Um, Because it's so funny, but a lot of the jokes they, like, barely acknowledge, if that makes sense. Mm, like, they barely yeah. acknowledge that they're making a joke. And it'll be mm-hmm. in the middle of, like, the darkest thing you've ever heard in your life, which right. is, like, definitely my style. <laughs> mm-hmm. But my favorite one-line joke where it – 
it's just like a word that makes it a joke. Um, or maybe two words. No. No, it's one word that makes it a joke. And it's so yeah. funny. Is right. in the f- very beginning of the fifth season, Aaliyah Shawcat char- Shawcat's character has um, been hospitalized. Mm-hmm. And uh, the character Portia shows up with the other two main guys. And she rushes into the room. And do you remember this? This no. joke? She rushes, she, you might, this is the thing is like, this is what I mean when they say they don't acknowledge it. Like this joke, mm-hmm. you could just miss it if you like looked away for half a second. She yeah. rushes in and goes, oh my God, Dory, we came almost as soon as we heard. <laughs> perfect. It's so perfect. That's very good. And like it's that. also especially funny. I mean, because at this point too, we're like, these people are so inextricably linked from each other at this point. We're in season five of the show. Like Everything that could possibly happen has happened, except the thing that's going to happen in this season. And, yeah. like, um, so it's even funnier to me that that's when they that joke particularly lands. Um, mm-hmm. But it's funny in and of itself, too. <laughs> I want to give you one more 30 Rock joke, and then we'll move on. Okay. And I'll try to do it justice, but I won't really, because so much of it is in the delivery. It's so important how much gravitas is given to this line of dialogue um jack is watching like an old tape of his mentor don geis and i think it's after don geis has died and maybe this is like his video will or or something like that yeah and and uh don geis on the video says uh, i I don't remember the exact year but i'm gonna fill in the gap he says something like you know i speak to you from the year 1985 but my message is timeless avoid the Noid. That's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite 30 Rock jokes and one of my favorite jokes in general because that show had the best jokes. Um, would you do me the kindness of pulling another piece of paper from the grab bag, please? Yes, here we go. Oh, is this one or two? No, no, here's one. This is just one. This says... <laughs> This is this your handwriting? I don't know. I haven't seen it or heard it yet. Movie trailers, arrow, good, bad, question marks, arrow. How? With an question mark and an exclamation mark. Why? That, that is not my handwriting, <laughs> and that is not how I would have written one of my own topics. <laughs> so presumably that's a, a second person who contributed because it's written in different pen and yeah. you can compare the handwriting. The handwriting is completely different. I just watched the movie Zodiac for the first time, and a lot of oh, that really? is a, a lot of that is about the pseudoscience of analyzing handwritings mm-hmm. uh, being uh, treated as uh, as gospel. Basically, um, it was a it was a different time, um, <laughs> perhaps not different enough. Anyway, um, movie trailers are good, despite being very bad. <laughs> um, much like uh video games uh-huh the spider-man video game which is brand new that i'm playing right now in many ways that i can think of is bad uh-huh and all the things that make it bad make it more enjoyable to me to play <laughs> um no my mainly my thing about movie trailers i think i've said this before 
I don't, but I don't remember specifically when I would have said it on the podcast. I just think I might have is in a lot of ways, the thing that the abstract thing that I get enjoyment from uh, almost the most is and is anticipating things is mm-hmm. is looking forward to the next big movie that's going to come out or the next big video game and it is a fun enjoyable waste of time to look up videos about the the thing that is still like a month away and that includes movie trailers and it includes video game trailers and Nintendo Directs and Sony's equivalent of the Nintendo Direct, um, you know, showcases that show you like game trailer after game trailer, the video game awards, which come around at the end of each year and are a total farce. But um, they use that opportunity to debut a lot of game trailers. And so like, we know that a Hades 2 is coming because they premiered that trailer at the video game awards. That's all good. A lot of people have problems with movie trailers. Like I, I know I've said this before. I feel like I said it recently on the podcast. I forget why people say, Oh, I feel like I just watched the whole movie. Oh, they gave so much away. I say, good. (laughs) That's fine. It's good. I, I don't have a complaint. Mike and I, Oh, you know why we were talking about this is because of your ideal outings episode. We right, were talking yes. about going to the movies and we talked about trailers plenty in that uh, context. And I talked about how the most ir- the most I'm irritated by trailers is going to the movies and seeing a trailer that I've already seen and I don't care about the movie. I don't care to see the trailer again. I get no excitement or enjoyment from the anticipation of that. That's kind of a shitty situation, but... Like the nuptial free My Fat Greek Wedding 3. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Or this year, I think I saw the trailer for Transformers Rise of the Beasts about 25 Yeah, times. I saw that twice, yeah. And two times. One time was enough. Enough too much, as I say. And last year, or maybe the year before, I can't remember which, uh, it was the trailer for Bullet Train. Because Bullet bullet Train kept getting delayed. I think it was delayed two or three times. Oh, no. So you kept seeing the trailers for it. I think I saw the trailer for Bullet Train like 30 times, you know? God. Um, And I'm exaggerating, but uh, for for effect. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. Um, Trying to think of a, a, a fun way to answer this question would be to give an example of a really good or like one of the best movie trailers that I've seen. The, the, the trailer for the movie men is excellent. It's better than, it's better than the movie. That was the one where it was very green. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love how you know, because we talked about how it was very green. Yeah. And I didn't watch it, but I loved watching that trailer. Jesse Buckley stars in the movie men. That's a very effective trailer, and uh, it is better than the movie turned out to be. A movie which I sort of like, and I think I like more than most people, mm-hmm. but uh, do. But uh, a lot of a lot of criticism for that movie, and it's justified. But I like it more than most. But also, the trailer is better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So watch the trailer for Men, and maybe you'll get an impression of what I think makes a movie trailer good. Um, 
Yeah, and and a bad movie trailer is just one for a movie that I don't care about. <laughs> I can't I can't think of an instance where I watched a trailer for a movie that I wanted to see mm-hmm. and I thought that's a bad trailer. I feel like I wouldn't have that perspective unless I already saw the movie. I um this is I think not exactly answering the question that you're posing right now, but I mm. think it is worth mentioning that I think part of the reason that trailers are good now is because they've gotten so good at making them mm-hmm. yeah um i recently well there's two trailers i want to bring up okay the first is that i think i know i feel like i've i know i feel like i've talked about this on the podcast before which is that the trailer for the original star wars movie it looks like star wars is the most boring movie you've ever seen in your life trailers are a lot different than they were 40 years ago yeah. but even like 20 years ago so I recently watched Secretary, the Maggie Gyllenhaal movie about the like mm-hmm. sexy boss thing. Yeah. And um I just wanted to watch it because I knew that it was like a sexy movie with Maggie Gyllenhaal in it and I had never sure. seen it. It's also uh-huh. by the way, it's based off of a Mary I think it's Mary Gatskill. I think it's based off of a Mary Gatskill short story. Mm. Which makes sense what after like I when I what after I watched the movie when I read that I was like oh this makes sense because occasionally Maggie Gyllenhaal will just start narrating and it like doesn't make any sense but then when you realize it's based on a short story it's like oh they needed to fill in the exposition here somewhere and this is how they decided to do it mm-hmm. but the trailer for that also is like very weird and like sort of cold and stilted and mm-hmm. um you know not at all like the movie. Um, but I just bring that up because I think that trailers being good is like a, not even just like a sort of recent phenomenon, but like a very recent phenomenon. Yeah. I think we've come a long way. I agree with that. Um, do you want the next one? Yeah, go for it. But yeah, while Liz is pulling out the next one, yeah, just, you know, if I'm bored and I'm not doing anything, going on YouTube and seeing what movie trailers are new, that's... That's fun. That's an activity I do. So this seems to be a... Oh, side note about that. I had a trailer. I think I texted you about this. But like, do you know how I went to high school with that one woman who's like an actress now? Sierra. Well, her name's Sierra Renee. But, but her name's Sierra Harper. But... Okay. Um, I was watching the trailer where Owen Wilson was playing that like Bob Ross type. Yeah, Paint. Paint. And I that had come up and I had not seen it at all. So I put it on because I knew who Owen Wilson was. And all of a sudden I see this girl I went to high school with. And I was like, what the fuck right. is happening? But like I this remember, trailer yeah. had come out like a year. Like this movie had come out like a year before or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you saying that. It's always weird when she shows up and shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. This one is not a question. And it's also okay. third handwriting. It simply says, favorite sandwiches. That's great. Yeah, that's not me. Um, yeah, thank you to all my friends who contributed to this. Um, sorry, you're anonymous because I thought too late to tell you to write down your name. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I think Andrew uh, put a lot into the bag more than anyone else that from what I, from what I heard right. about it. Andrew seems I based on. My conversations with Andrew, I, I think maybe he wrote that. Um, Andrew knows all about my favorite sandwich because he's made it for me uh, for for my birthday. 
he's asked me about it several times and then <laughs> and then one time uh during covid contributed to my birthday by making the equivalent uh for for uh me and our friends uh uh at my birthday party so to speak i i'm referring of course to the mr mayor aka the number 4 at Christina's Deli in my hometown uh, in Queens, New York. Maybe I will visit it in the Spider-Man game. I don't know if you know this, but if the previous Spider-Man took place on the island of Manhattan, Uh they have expanded the scope of the game in the sequel by including uh, both Brooklyn and Queens Ah. uh, in addition to Manhattan in the map. So... If they've done a very faithful job, perhaps uh, Spider-Man himself can get a, uh, a Mr. Mayor from Christina's Deli. Or I'm sorry, I've misspoken about one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> Christina Deli. Oh, okay. Is the name of the establishment. Uh, and the Mr. Mayor consists of chicken cutlets, bacon, mozzarella cheese, ranch, dressing and spicy french fries on uh kaiser roll or hero Uh my preference is for the kaiser roll but if i'm extra hungry occasionally i will get it on a hero oh that does sound like a good sandwich yeah Um, what what about it is like what specifically hits for you like what feels like unique about that sandwich from other sandwiches is it the lack of vegetables (laughs) yeah i mean obviously lack of anything green uh or healthy um you know french fries are an ingredient in the sandwich Mm -hmm. um putting putting french fries in between bread is uh is always very special and i think we should we should do more of it as a as a culture mm-hmm. shout out to the Peranti brothers in pittsburgh pennsylvania yeah and just that you know it's it's it, it's decadent and it's excess there's a lot of cheese there's a lot of that ranch on there it's a it's a it's a big it's a big bite you know it's a it's a big boy is it a fresh uh, mozzarella or like a low moisture mozzarella uh more of a low moisture okay yeah mozzarella. that makes sense yeah Otherwise, it'd be really wet. It's a wet sandwich, but it's mostly wet with that ranch. Yeah, but it'd be more wet if it was. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it would. Yeah, perhaps unsustainably so. I have another question about a sandwich that maybe you don't remember, but do you remember when we went to Portland for AWP and you got that sandwich at that sandwich place and you were like, that was one of the best sandwiches I've ever eaten? I know the place you mean. It was Lardo, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I just recently was hearing uh, my favorite Twitch streamers, the Goff Kings, talk about Lardo. Uh, so it, that, that no doubt in my mind, is like a famous place. Like, that was not some special, like, we found the one place that nobody's ever heard of. Like, I think everybody's well, but familiar with if it. If I'm remembering correctly, we had gone to the restaurant next to it to get pasta. Yes, that was- they had it. Mm-hmm. That was also excellent. And it was like owned by the same people, maybe? Yes, right. I but think we it had... was operated by the same ownership, yeah. But we were like, it was so busy. And I got to show you burrata for the first time, which I was very mm-hmm. pleased to do. That but then good. like later we realized that, because Kenny was going to meet us, but he ended up going to the sandwich shop. And mm-hmm. 
later you were like, that sandwich shop was empty. We should have gotten sandwiches. And I was like, yeah, that probably, I mean, I was, the pasta was really good, but it would have been nice to be in a less busy place. And then you were like, I went back to the sandwich place. (laughs) Indeed. So, yeah. So to, to expand on, uh, where you've taken this conversation and, uh, also as a way of answering the question, we are just going to do what, uh, the the Twitch streamers I just mentioned, Golf Kings, have already done. I've already seen them do recently, which is they call this menu time. Yeah. Uh, when, they, when they do this, let's let's do a quick menu time. And they've done this particular menu time already. It's the menu time where we look at Lardo's menu. And I'm doing this just to tell you what I would pick from this menu to give you a sense of oh yeah what makes my favorite type of sandwich. So I'm looking at pork meatball banh mi, mm-hmm. Korean pork shoulder, barbecue smash burger, Italian tuna melt, griddled mortadella, something called first love, which is pork belly, Bronx bomber, which has shaved steak, Nashville hot fried chicken, and Italian flag. Ooh. Then there's a Beer Ia grilled cheese and beer is spelled B E E R in capital letters. Smoky Cubano and porchetta. So, um, yeah, I look. One of my favorite f- foods. Uh, you know when when you talk about favorite food, mm-hmm. do you talk about a type of food, or do you talk about like the specific item, like this one recipe or this one place's version of the of this thing. Yeah, that's really hard for me because I feel like I have very few foods. Like one food I would say that is maybe like a favorite food of mine is when you get a ripe tomato in the summer and you just slice it mm-hmm. like paper thin and put like um, just like a salt on it and you eat it with just like bread. Mm-hmm. that is like a favorite food but like by the same right. token if you were to ask me like what's your favorite food i might answer well my favorite genre of food is things wrapped in carbs uh, so right. that could be like sushi dumplings sandwiches tortillas burritos which i know is like a really general wide top like thing but what i really like is i like a lot of different little flavors together right in a way that i can eat it all at once <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and I could, if you ask me my favorite food, I could answer you with the Mr. Mayor and tell you about the particular place it comes from and the particular ingredients of that particular sandwich. Or if you ask me my favorite food, I could say, well, I love fried chicken sandwiches. I also love fried chicken sandwiches. Um, which, yeah, has just... Uh, I feel like the fried chicken sandwich has exploded in popularity in recent mm-hmm. years. And I have, been, you know, hook, line and sinker, basically um, fried chicken sandwiches have, have usurped, you know, burgers, hot dogs, other contenders for the top spot in my mind. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I guess my favorite genre of sandwich is a fried chicken sandwich. And looking at the Lardo menu to, as it exists currently, I would probably get the Nashville hot fried chicken, even if I was not 
in Nashville, even if I was in Portland. If you were getting, what's like ideal for you on a fried chicken sandwich? I mean, it has to have pickles. Agreed. Which is, uh, you know, kind of obvious. Um, that's what everyone does. Um, that's the only thing that it needs to have. I would also love for it to have something that makes it spicy, mm-hmm. like a spicy mayo, mm-hmm. which is also quite common. Um, and then, yeah, everything else is kind of, you know, gravy, uh, so to speak. At that, not literally gravy, but but yeah, that spicy sauce and the and the pickles are the essentials. I had a fried chicken sandwich last night. We have a Shake Shack now, mm-hmm. um, and I and their their fried chicken sandwich comes with mayo and shreddis, which I love, mm-hmm. and pickles. And I would say that my I will say as a note, like I've said this to Blake before, and he's been horrified. Like the other thing about sandwiches specifically that I feel is that like I actually don't really care about the meat aspect of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By which I mean, like whatever that layer is, I could as long as it's there and it's good like i don't really care what it is it's like i'm way more interested in like every other thing and then having that sort of salty meat type thing and i put say meat because like i would love like a veggie burger Mm -hmm. i get the same satisfaction eating a veggie burger as long as it has like lettuce and tomato and mayonnaise and pickles that i get eating like a smash burger Mm -hmm. because like really what i'm interested in is like the whole experience of everything else and the actual protein part is just like, so like I also love a fried chicken sandwich, but like I've also made um, fried tofu sandwiches that are like Mm -hmm. almost the same. And it's like, sure, this is fulfilling the same niche. It's just that it's fried. It's the fried thing that I care about. Not that it's chicken. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, crispy batter of a fried chicken patty is, is so much of the equation uh for me um just to say a little bit more about uh the lardo version of this because i only gave you the names of the sandwiches not i could tell you the nashville hot fried chicken is advertised as having hot honey Mm. bacon pickles duke's mayo and white onion which to that i would say that all sounds good perhaps you don't even need the bacon yeah. I think it's kind of a toss up for me whether I would prefer it with the bacon or without. I would not try ordering it without. I would get it as is. Yeah. To, you know, get get the sandwich as they as they make it and as they sell it. But I would be I would part of my evaluation of it would be, hmm, is this better because of the bacon or is the bacon a little excessive? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Very good. Do you want the next one? Please. This will be number four, if I'm counting correctly. So far, none of my own topics. They I may be outnumbered. I I this I can't tell his handwriting. This is maybe a fourth handwriting. Ooh, interesting. It that just is possible. Says, I, if you can believe I have that many friends. It's a good one to follow this up with because it's related. Okay. It's food. It just says hot dogs. Uh-huh. And then in parentheses, it says best, worst, toppings, etc. And how is worst spelled? <laughs> With an O. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, yeah. So speaking of favorite foods, 
and I and and I could easily feel self conscious about uh, at this point. Uh, <laughs> we were. Uh, have you ever seen the movie uh, House, uh, the ho- uh, horror movie? Uh, it's Japanese. It would be called Houseu in its no. native language. It's from 1977. And it's like a cult classic, and we were we were just re- watching it as we were carving pumpkins last night. Uh-huh. At least some of us were watching it, and um, <laughs> it was a rewatch for me. Yeah. I, I I selected it. And I put it on. It was it was my second time seeing it, and I think it's a really fun watch because it's it's very bizarre. It has very, very bizarre, outlandish visuals. But anyway, it's it's about a group of seven uh, high school girls who go to a house, mm-hmm. and uh, and then horror happens. And um, but the 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 girls have these like really almost like in like a children's movie or something they have these like really specific personalities oh yeah like they, they each have their own color nicknames. and yeah <laughs> not really because they're all like in uniform but that's the you you yeah. got the idea of it um so like one of them is called kung fu <laughs> and i don't need to tell you <laughs> what you know what she does but so so I think part of the fun of watching that movie is but in fact if you look if you looked up this movie on my letterbox mm-hmm. the way I've reviewed it quote unquote is to say tag yourself I'm Mac <laughs> because one one of the girls is named Mac and they call her that because she eats a lot and <laughs> and she's the one who's obsessed with food so that's her and so I have that fresh in my mind because of last night and now <laughs> This is only affirming yes. <laughs> that that uh, uh, framing of the movie for me. So, hot dogs. Um, so, uh, it, this for me goes back to grad school in, in Ohio, mm-hmm. which was two years for me in Athens, Ohio, where they have at least I hope they currently still have it. They had it when I was there, a place called Obedi's. And uh, you uh, could walk into Obedi's and uh, it was, um, it's very tacky on purpose Mm -hmm. is is how I would describe it. The walls are are covered as much as possible with with pictures and other junk, Mm -hmm. kind of like a TGI Fridays or something like that. Mm -hmm. But there's a theme to all that stuff on the walls and it's like burlesque. Ooh. Except in December around Christmas time when they replace all the stuff on the walls with Jesus stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is so funny. It's so funny. Honestly, like this, this raises another question, which is if you, if you could, you know, lift a restaurant out of its singular place in the world. Yeah. And place it somewhere where it's convenient for you. Yeah. For me, I think the top two contenders are the two that you've already heard me talk about. Christina Daly and Obedis. <laughs> and as much as I love the Mr. Mayor, I might choose Obedis. Uh-huh. Just because they have like Christina, when I told you that the Mr. Mayor was number four yeah. on Christina Daly's menu, uh-huh. this 
might shock you or you might understand that this is normal for a place like Christina Deli in yeah. New York City. It, Mr. Mayor is number four out of over 100. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obedi's, there, there's this kind of inverse relationship where they have a, a menu that would make Gordon Ramsay happier because it's more streamlined yeah. and more focused. But also within that streamlined menu, there's a greater variety of things that I would order. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There At Christine Daly, there are infinite possibilities and only one thing that I will ever get. The <laughs> <Yeah>. only variety <laughs> is will I get it on a roll or a hero. Yeah. <laughs> at Obedi's, there are maybe like 12 options. Mm-hmm. And I have my like three that I really like. Um, so I don't know if I'll remember this as well as I remember the Mr. Mayor, but my top, I think was called the Tempest. And that was the spice. That was the spicy dog. Nice. And I'm pretty sure it had a habanero salsa. Ooh. And some shredded cheese, which I think was like a mixed cheddar blend. Mm Mm-hmm. And then if it had any other ingredients, I'm forgetting what they were. And like, I come, mm, I'm trying, I almost said there was bacon on there, but I'm taking that back. I don't think there was. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was some form of jalapeno on there in addition to the salsa, like whether it was sliced or like in like spears or something. Mm-hmm. I forget. It was the spicy one. And so I would, I would, if I was there for lunch, I would get two dogs mm-hmm. and I would start by eating the Tempest and then I would cool down by eating the second type of dog, which was, this, I think it was called a Syrah. Uh-huh. And the Syrah was the one with white stuff on it. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think it had mayonnaise. Oh, wow. And shredded cheese, which I think was mozzarella. Uh-huh. Or some type of white cheese. And sliced mushrooms. Ooh. And I forget what type of mushrooms exactly, but maybe like a cremini. I don't know how you say it. Cremini. Yeah, maybe like a cremini. I forget. But anyway, yeah, mushrooms on it. If I was there not for lunch, but for dinner, or I was, you know, hungrier, then I might get a third dog. And if I wanted variety, then I then I think my number three was called Blaze, <laughs> which you would think was the spicier one, but it was not as spicy as the Tempest. Wasn't that the name of the saint that you picked for your confirmation name? S- spelled differently, but no, the, the saint I actually picked was Francis, as in right. Francis of Assisi, who is the animal loving. Right. Saint. He loved the animal one, but you wanted but to I pick think- Blaze because it was a cool name. Well, I think I, I think I thought, I think I heard the name, uh-huh. thought that's so cool. Then I saw it in writing, realized it was not spelled like the word blaze. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, it's so cool, but it's less cool now. But uh, good memory for that. Um, <laughs> it was so funny to me. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can find the Obedi's menu online, just the same as I did the uh, Lardo menu. Uh, Obedi's Red Hot hot dog restaurant, Athens, Ohio. I'm sure the blaze had bacon. 
And that's mm. all I remember right now. While you're looking that uh, up really quick, I do want to also insert that I do have one favorite food that is within the genre of the carbs wrapped with things, which you've eaten, mm-hmm. which is the Cowboy Crunch Burrito from Nito Burrito. Yes. Uh-huh. I remember it well. And that is one thing that, yeah, you can't reproduce anywhere. Uh, no, and and uh, no one would dare to try. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Obetti's. Uh, now I'm not doing this from memory. I can tell you right off their website. The Tempest is described as our tempestuous tempest will spice up your life <laughs> with hot, hot Casa Nueva habanero salsa, chopped jalapenos, shredded aged char- sharp cheddar cheese, oh. and and sour cream. Oh, okay. So I remembered most of that, not all. The Syrah, our Swedish sensation revels in sautéed mushrooms, shredded big-eye Swiss cheese, and mayonnaise. Mm. So I basically remembered that. And then the Blaze, which is my number three, fit for royalty, but she settled for the governor. Blaze (laughs) beguiles with a strip of smoked bacon topped with homemade creamy sweet coleslaw. Okay, yeah. So bacon and coleslaw. Now, I have two questions that I realized I should have asked way before now. What kind of hot dogs were these? How are they prepared? And what kind of bun was it? Great question. And now I feel as put on the spot as I have in this whole exercise so far. Well, like, was it like a normal sized hot dog or was it like a very long hot dog? It was a normal sized hot dog. Okay. Now I'm going to see if their website maybe has... A good uh, way to answer that question. Meet our daily stars featuring grilled four-star all-beef dogs. Okay, so they are cooking in, them on like a grill of some sort. In natural casing. Oh. Ser- served in toasted and steamed buns. Hmm. Served up as described or as you like it. Vegetarian options? Totally. <laughs> so yeah, the... Really, I don't like. I don't know a great way to answer your question because the best way I know how is normal. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. I, I, there are some people. I feel very strongly that I don't want a hot dog unless it's been cooked um, to the point that it can. It's a little bit blistered. Sure. Um, so ideally, that is over a flame, like a literal flame. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not over a literal flame, then a grill is acceptable, but I would like it to be a little crisp. Um, Mm -hmm. and the idea of a boiled hot dog makes me want to, you know, jump off a cliff or something. Um, I also feel strongly that if I'm, unless I'm literally, uh, camping and cooking the hot dog over a fire, Mm -hmm. then the bun should be toasted. And, Mm -hmm. uh. I also feel very strongly about mustard. I understand why you picked those other hot dog options for sure, but I love mustard and I feel like I don't get the many opportunities to eat mustard, if that makes sense. Like, I wish there yeah. were more ways to eat mustard because I love it so much. Right. Um, and one of the main ways I eat mustard is hot dog. Yeah. That's totally fair enough. I'm just doing a control F for mustard uh, on this page. Uh, they have a dog, which... Perhaps you would not say its name if you were ordering it. <laughs> it's called the Gypsy. Oh, yeah. It's described as classy and crisp with Heinz catsup, 
Cleveland Stadium mustard, sweet relish, and fresh diced onions. And that's at the top of their menu. So that it seems to be understood that that is like, like a classic, the most classic basic of their specialty items. <laughs> the Dixie is described as everybody's favorite. Dixie delights using homemade Obetti's chili sauce, fresh diced onions, aged sharp cheddar, and stadium mustard. So that's like their chili dog, it sounds like. And the Salome entices with a taste of Chicago with sport. Uh, this is a sh- Chicago dog. Sport pepper, sweet relish, pickle spear, fresh diced tomato, diced onion, stadium mustard, and a dash of celery seed. Yeah, that's good too. So they're have just I, getting... Hmm, go ahead. Have I told you about Elliot's hot dog preferences? Uh, tell me again if you've told me before. So Elliot doesn't like the bun for some reason. Ah, uh, okay. But as you know, Elliot also loves vegetables. Huh? So when we went to Shake Shack the one time, she was like, I want to get a hot dog, but I don't want a bun. And mm-hmm. I looked... And you can get a hot dog without a bun and get it in a lettuce wrap. Yes. And, and in fact, this was kind of similar to the way that I was introduced to Obedi's. Oh, really? Was one of my best friends in first year of grad school. I specified because he was a second year and mm-hmm. he was not around for my second year. It's not like we had a falling out. <laughs> um, but he had like Crohn's or celiac or he was not, he would not eat gluten. Yeah. Um, for for his health, and um, he uh, would go to Obedi's for getting uh, no bun hot dogs and and options that didn't involve gluten, despite being a restaurant that primarily served hot dogs. Yeah, in the conventional way. Yeah. So last night when we went there, Elliot got what I call the Elliot Special, which is a hot dog in a lettuce wrap. Sure. And a vanilla milkshake. <laughs> nice. Sounds good. Okay. Do you May want I have a one? new topic, please? Number five. Had to use this post-it note paper, didn't you, Will? Had to use sticky notes so that when they were folded up, they would be very hard to unfold. And this is also related. <laughs> you don't say. And it's the same small caps handwriting. It says, perfect snack? Hmm. Well, that's interesting because um, I uh, I went to the doctor recently mm-hmm. <laughs> for for uh, my so far it's my third uh, biannual checkup um, since uh, getting a, a new general practitioner. So you go every two years? No, uh, every six months. Oh, you go every six months. Okay. I've gone in October of last year. Uh, And then this past spring and now again, very recently. And on my most recent visit, I learned that I am no longer obese. Oh, congratulations. I am am only overweight. Oh, wow. And how did I accomplish this? Well, um, uh, on my first visit a year ago, um, my doctor talked to me about his concerns about my weight and how much of it there was. Uh Uh-huh. And he had some uh, dietary advice Uh and it boiled, for me, I boiled it down to perhaps I should stop eating snacks between meals. Yes. Which I was doing a lot of because uh, it feels bad to be hungry. Yes. uh, And it makes everything harder. Yes. (laughs) 
and I get hungry plenty uh-huh. in between breakfast and lunch and in between lunch and dinner. And also you get weird when you're hungry. I have done that historically. Yes. And and I mean that lovingly, by which I mean, I believe on that same trip in Portland, we were walking to get dinner and I was trying to talk to Will and he, I'm telling our goslings this, you were there. Um, and I, <laughs> he was being so weird and like not talking to me. And then as soon as we started eating, he started talking to me again. And I was like, oh, you were hungry. <laughs> well, you were you were trying to talk with me <laughs> while I was on energy saving mode, which I which I was on by ne- by necessity. And uh so I've I've spent about the last year of my life learning to adapt to living with energy saving mode mm-hmm. uh a little a little better. Mm-hmm. Um and so uh yeah I basically I don't eat snacks anymore. What I what I what I used to <laughs> I guess Let's, all right, let's, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just tell you how I lived my life (laughs) for, for, (laughs) for basically for, for as long as I was in the working world Mm -hmm. for several years, Mm -hmm. I would bring a lunch to work, which would almost always be something from Trader Joe's that I could pop in the microwave, Mm -hmm. be it frozen or refrigerated. But in the time from eating breakfast, which is a Cliff Bar and coffee. Right. Yeah. You have a minimal breakfast. To lunch. I would get hungry. So I would m- supplement that in the in-between time with something like a fig bar. Uh-huh. And in the afternoon, uh, after lunch, before quitting time, uh-huh. uh, I would get hungry and I would usually have a string cheese. Uh huh. And these are things that would be very easy for me to carry in my bag, and very easy to have in the office. Those are like I'm shocked that that was your snack. Those are two really reasonable small snacks. Well, okay, and then I'm so I haven't finished yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm leaving things out. Okay. I would also have in the mornings because I heard <laughs> that this is a good thing to have <laughs> in the in the morning. <laughs> I would have two squares of dark chocolate. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Usually, um, if I could get it, it, it's it. You know, if you've shopped at Trader Joe's, you know that it's often very in flux whether you can get what you want. Yeah, yeah. If I could get it, I would get this big dark chocolate bar with whole hazelnuts. Oh yeah. I would have two squares of that every morning, and then I'm for I like I'm forgetting something. I think maybe I'm forgetting because I sort of went through different versions. Yeah, different iterations. Yeah. Sometimes I would add almonds to the equation. Mm. Like really like the plainest of almonds. Right. Sometimes I would add. I almost always have in my office those um, individually wrapped dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Oh, yes, Absolutely. And I try not to have them, but they're there, not just for me, but for if somebody comes in, they can grab them if they want. And so sometimes that's being added to the equation. Uh And then I'm trying to remember 
what this boils down to is it was normal for me to have my light breakfast Uh and two snacks before lunch Uh and then lunch and then two snacks in the office in Uh the afternoon before five o'clock. Yeah. And that was almost always dark chocolate, a fig bar and string cheese and then the fourth is kind of a wild card. Yeah. Because some days I could get by with just three and not mm-hmm. the fourth. I'm sure it doesn't help oh, now that you're no, in. No, no, no. I just remembered. I remembered. Banana. Mm. I got, Banana's I got, a great snack. I got into a habit of bringing a banana uh, to the office. Yeah, that's for, a good for, thing. For a while there. Fiber, carbs, healthy sugars. Now, here, now here's the thing. Uh-huh. I want to lose weight, but I didn't really want to change almost anything. <laughs> yes. About the way I was eating mm-hmm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. The easiest thing to change was the snacks. As much as I was trying to be good about picking what my snacks were, mm-hmm. the easiest change to make was just to cut the snacks altogether. And that did, that just did it. I'm lo- I'm losing weight, yeah. and 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 I'm also I'm I'm exercising about as much as I already was. Mm-hmm. I'm just being a little stricter about not letting myself, you know, skip a skip a day. Yeah. And w- and with those things in my arsenal, I'm I'm losing. I have been losing weight. Yeah. Interesting. Now the 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 one major part of this that I have left out is that I will not go to bed without having a little snack before I go to bed. I'm a real weak weak person for a little snack before bed. <laughs> and what that is from and historically sometimes it's been cere- a bowl of cereal and and sometimes it's been other things. Um for me for for right now and for a long time and for the foreseeable future, it's a little cup of yogurt. Oh, that's good. And in particular, Trader Joe's has these yogurts that they sell in six packs mm-hmm. that are like blank and cream yogurts. Mm-hmm. So like each six pack has two flavors and one of them is raspberry and Meyer lemon and one of them is strawberry and banana. Those two flavors are not blended together. There's three of strawberry and three of banana. Yeah, yeah. There's also a blueberry, a vanilla, and a peach and mango. Uh-huh. And as long as they have those in stock, then I am getting those weekly and having those nightly. Nice. No. So, yeah, I would say perfect snack number one for me is that little yogurt cup. Yeah. Now, I do have a question about string cheese. Yeah. No, I don't pull it. I. I so you're I, psychotic. I'm an adult. You're psychotic. I am I am a grown up and I bite into it. My hot take is that people that don't string their string trees are actually murderers. <laughs> I understand thinking that way, but it's it is a pointless way to eat that item unless you are a child. <laughs> no, getting... it's not because it changes the texture of it, which changes the eating experience, and part of the joy is the texture of the string. The ch- the texture is for a child. To enjoy. I'm I'm an adult. <laughs> hey, guys. So I'm glad you guys came to the last episode of the podcast. Uh, it's been a great seven years. Uh... 
look forward to our solo podcast starting next month. <laughs> Where we just we just talk shit about each other. Hey, smug bud. If Will were here, he would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm pulling out a new topic. Please do. What the fuck is this one? This one has an, an illustration. Oh boy, not one of mine. This one just says, coolest dog you've ever seen. That is definitely an Andrew illustration. Okay, so small caps is Andrew then. If I've, if I've ever seen one. <laughs> um, yeah, right up. Yeah, off the top of my head, I don't know how to answer that question. I really liked Digby. Digby is a good dog. Digby, uh, we fostered recently for just a weekend. And Digby is the second of two so far dogs that we've done that for. And, uh, you know, nothing. Explain his ears. Well, he had one up and one down. Yes. <laughs> which is a very special arrangement. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Digby is a, a contender. But also there's recency bias in, in talking about Digby. Yeah. Um, I haven't, I don't think, met another dog more recently than, than Digby. You know, it's a whole lifetime of meeting dogs. <laughs> and they come in and out of your life and, and they make impressions mostly good. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky. And uh, it's hard to, it's hard to single one out because... They're all dogs. Have you ever seen a they Zolo? Almost, they almost all have, you know, the enormous appeal of, of meeting a dog. Now, uh, what's a Zolo? I, it's not, that's the shortened form of the name, and it might actually be Sholo. It's X-O-L-O. But they're dogs mm-hmm. that are indigenous to Native America. Okay. And they're not as heavily bred as um, a lot of other, or dogs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're a little bit more raw, but my friend Tara has them and raises them, but they are, Sarah calls them the alien dogs. Um, they don't, most, some of them have fur, but most of them don't have fur. Mm. And I got to meet her Zolos. I bring them up because I got to meet them about a year ago. It was at Thanksgiving. And it's so weird to touch them because they're so, they're huge. They're not huge, huge, but they're big dogs. You know, they're like, you know, uh. Like a large, I would say a large size dog, not like an extra large size, but like a large size dog. But they're like, when you touch them, they don't have fur, but they're like hot, Mm. which like, obviously, like, of course they're hot, Elizabeth, they're an animal. But I bring this up because like, if I touch my skin right now, it's cool Mm. because like it's exposed to the air and you know, it's like cool or whatever. These dogs were just so warm and they were so large and like. I didn't know how to pet them because they didn't have fur. So I just was like, how do you do this? And she's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's getting close to lunchtime and I'm, I can feel myself entering energy <laughs> saving mode more and more the longer we talk. And I don't want to cut this short. I want to keep going. Okay. But just that, that is making it more difficult to, ha- to, to ha- form new ideas. Um, like... You know, Andrew himself, who wrote this and and not only wrote, but illustrated this is (laughs) co-owner of several dogs who are are all exceptional. Peggy in particular. Yeah, Peggy. I just laughed out loud seeing Peggy for the first time (laughs) because I I think I, I, I remarked that 
the, this dog is just it's just a cinder block come to life. <laughs> <laughs> She's so sturdy. It yeah, just just a a cuboid. Gray. Don't they call her Piggy as a nickname? Yeah, oh, how could you not? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. It, uh, um, mm, there, when I was going back to grad school again, one of my peers in grad school um, was perhaps more than any of us in a position to get a dog mm-hmm. during that time of our lives. And she did, she and her husband. Um, and as many people do, they named their dog Bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, a, it was like a, it was like a Newfoundland uh, dog. Oh, yeah. Right? And I got to see Bear sort of like grow up a little bit into the yeah. dog that he would become. Um, and that was special because it, that, that was like right now in my life, if I hang out with my friends... I'm almost definitely going to hang out with a dog or or multiple animals. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was like, hey, one of my friends has a dog, and it's just like big, <laughs> floofy, friendly, dog. and it's called Bear, and it's like, yeah. So like that was that was really special. And there was one time that we were all we were all hanging out mm-hmm. at their house, I think for the Super Bowl. Yeah. And uh, there were more people than seats, which is sometimes, you know, a good thing. It's, and I was sitting on the floor and Bear really got up in my space and I was like laughing, you know, joyfully. <laughs> and Bear, you know, was licking the inside of my mouth <laughs> because I couldn't keep my mouth closed. But I was having fun, you know. And And Bear's co-owner, my friend's husband, was made some smart remark about like you know ah, ha, ha, deer, bear loves the taste of the the deer poop you know out in the woods or whatever ha, ha. yeah yeah and i was just like ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you know and yeah I, I i took pride in not letting that phase me and yeah being the being the most literally the most open to the the dog's lo- love and attention of everyone in the in the crowded space that makes me so happy to imagine that memory that you shared. Yeah, it's just a good memory. I have another memory of of this particular uh, friend's husband who was a Marine and one time entered our office in uniform. Must, oh, wow. Must have been coming from somewhere or going to somewhere where that would be appropriate. Yeah. And as he walked past me, I <laughs> I very rapidly stood up and saluted him. <laughs> And he was like, sit the fuck down. <laughs> and that's just a funny memory for me because it's just, it's a memory of me being a little shit. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and being shot down for it, but in a way where I felt safe. <laughs> yeah. Doing it. You felt like you'd still won a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Can I read you this next one? I'm yeah. not sure what this is saying. Okay, go for it. It just, I mean, I can read the words, but uh-huh. it, it's not really a prompt. Okay. It just says, don't review individual episodes of television. We finally got one of mine. This oh, is, this is your handwriting. Th- that's my handwriting. <laughs> this is, for me, in my mind, an example of something I'm smug about uh-huh. and have something to say about that I could broadcast on the podcast, but it wouldn't be a full episode of the show. Yeah. 
And, and I'm going to begin this mini topic with an observation that I think is quite trite and, and everyone is familiar with. It's the observation that as movies have, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to start with the other way. As TV has become more like movies, yeah, prestige TV, hour-long dramas, The Sopranos, etc., movies have become more like TV, uh-huh. right? And the Marvel Cinematic Universe is is like movie length episodes of an epic, you know, TV show spanning years, and they all get, and that point of view gets a little bit more complicated by the fact that the MCU now literally contains Has TV shows, shows rather yeah. than movies. Um, but um, I I bring it up in this context because I I I I generated this thought in this context. And I've been having this thought for as long as we did our last MCU episode, not last year, but the year before. Mm-hmm. And I could have talked about this, but we didn't, which is good because we had better, more important things to do. Like we did the bracket and we heard mm-hmm. Aram's thoughts about the various movies and TV shows. But I was thinking about like Black Widow uh, at that time. And I was thinking about you know, it's really easy to frame what the MCU is doing with its movies as being like an ongoing television series. Mm-hmm. And also parallel to that, now of days, it has become accepted to post reviews online of each individual episode. Mm-hmm. of a television series. Mm-hmm. The context for this is BuzzFeed mm. and the clickability of BuzzFeed, the the the, the dawn of of clickbait and and how that has overwhelmed the internet. Mm-hmm. And how that sort of pushed like blogs and other stuff to the side. And it's like it's not enough to be something else. It's like basically like most websites that you could visit for news or anything you're interested in are aspiring to be as much like BuzzFeed as possible. Mm-hmm. And this has created a, an, an unsustainable demand for content in the form of articles, posts, listicles. Mm-hmm. And in that never-ending maw of needing more and more content to fill more and more websites, mm-hmm. you can now find loads of people, not just for their own personal blogs, but for websites, and hopefully they're getting paid to write these things, and also probably a bunch of AI is doing it. And you mm-hmm. can find that too. And maybe, you know, probably you can't tell the difference or hopefully you can. But you'll find like, look up the latest episode of Rick and Morty. You'll find like a hundred reviews of like just that episode of Rick mm-hmm. and Morty. That, in my opinion, is stupid. <laughs> and it only exists to fill the you know, appetite that can't be satiated for content. Mm -hmm. 
TV now TV used to be disposable. Mm-hmm. It used to be we didn't have streaming, we didn't have on demand, we didn't have TV shows on DVD. Uh, long enough ago, we didn't even have VCRs and the option to tape something and then watch it on mm. tape. TV was made with the understanding that this is going to air. Some people are going to see it and then it might never air again and it might never ever be seen again mm-hmm. unless it's like in reruns and then who cares who sees it? Yeah. Which means that the whole medium was disposable. Which, as a side note, do you know how that's affected Doctor Who? Not specifically. So Doctor Who has entire episodes that they just have no record yes, of. Right. Like, they have a record that they they have, like, the episode number. But you number can't and, like, watch a, them today. You can't watch them even if you had access to everything Be- in the world. Because, because they don't have physical copies of them. Because when I say that television used to be disposable, I could mean that literally. The the television programs were disposed of, and yeah. so they no longer exist today. <laughs> yeah, and occasionally they will find lost episodes that like uh-huh. somebody had recorded or something yeah. like that, which is yeah. also like insane to think about, because especially when, when we're such like documentarians, you know. And it's not only television; film used to be this way too. There's loads and loads of films, especially silent films, that we mm-hmm. have some kind of a record that they once existed. But we don't have access to them anymore because presumably they were just thrown away. Yeah. And maybe they do exist somewhere and we just don't know it yet because they're just sitting in somebody's attic. And Mm -hmm. maybe eventually they will be found. Mm -hmm. But for now, it's like they don't exist. And maybe they really don't. So, look, on the one hand, a case could be made that television is really different now. The context is really different now and with streaming and things being on demand and any of us being able to watch any particular thing anytime we want and there being so much of it, as long as it's new, it's accessible, it exists and we have to pick from it. In that context, you could make an argument that it does make sense to review individual episodes of Rick and Morty as they air. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, no, it doesn't. That's stupid. That sucks. Because that is, in my mind, treating each individual episode of the television show with a level of significance that it doesn't deserve. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Review the season of television. Yeah. Wait until the season's over and then review the season. And there's bound to be some highs and lows. Mm -hmm. And if there's one or more than one episode of the show that's not stronger than the rest, that's to be expected. Mm Mm-hmm. Who cares? I'm, I'm, if I'm going to watch the show, I'm probably going to watch every episode. Yeah. I'm not going to pick the good ones <laughs> based on what the reviews say about each individual episode. Mm-hmm. The only point in doing that is if you are invested in the show so much that you want to have like a conversation uh, with like the community of people who are so invested in the show that they're going to talk about every episode at length. Mm-hmm. 
don't rev, don't rev, don't write and post reviews of it. And the whole reason I had this thought mm-hmm. is because the MCU is so much like a TV series mm-hmm. that if Black Widow is not as good as the rest and the reviews are bad, who cares? Yeah, it's it's basically a TV show. The it's next like one, it's a blip in the yeah. The next one is a few months away, and maybe that one will be better. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've said enough about that. So let's, okay. let's move on. Let's see what this, this one came out with the other one, but I, so I just kept it out. Okay. Which might be your handwriting again. I think it is. Let's see. It's obvious why movie trailers on YouTube start with a stupid little five second countdown. <laughs> this is one of mine. Are you familiar with this? We've already talked about movie trailers a little bit, but I had something how, hyper how it, specific to talk about. It starts with like a mini five second trailer and then it actually starts with the trailer. You've seen this, right? Yeah. And have you heard people complain about this? I have not heard can people complain about it, but it's, it, it's, can I say what it is? Go for it. It's because they're playing these when you're scrolling. So they're trying to catch your attention for five seconds. Yeah. And specifically... The video that you're watching on YouTube that you opted to watch yeah. is also an ad. Yes. And it is being used as an ad that somebody else might see before another video that they are there to watch. Yes. <laughs> and what happens when there's an ad before your video on YouTube? Most times after five seconds, you have the option to skip the ad. Mm-hmm. I have heard people, and by the way, when I talk about hearing people, I mostly mean like on podcasts. Yeah, yeah, Because I don't talk to people. <laughs> and people don't talk to me. I love how earlier you were like, if you can believe it, I have this many friends. And now you're just like, I don't talk to people. With the miracle of podcasts and streaming, I can hear what other people are saying about things without having to know them or interact with them ever. <laughs> I have parasocial relationships with them. And I hear people say, oh, why do they do this? It's so stupid that every movie trailer on YouTube starts with this countdown that's like, you're about to see this trailer. Stay tuned. Why do they do that? That's so stupid. It's obvious why they do it. <laughs> it's an ad. You're watching yeah, an that's ad. So obvious. And the same video <laughs> is being repurposed as a literal ad. <laughs> That other people will be able to skip, but only after five seconds. Mm -hmm. And so that first five seconds is to hook people who are going to skip the ad. (laughs) So that's why they do it. And, uh, and, and other people should understand that. Yes. I, it's blasphemy to me that people that listen to podcasts don't understand that. I swear I've heard people on podcasts. I believe you for sure. This is so stupid. Why do they do that? Next topic, please. <laughs> okay. This one is not your handwriting. Oh, it's from Park. Oh, good. Park, you have beautiful handwriting. Thank you, Park. <laughs> this has a couple of, it has three topics on it. Okay. <laughs> do you want to do a speed run through them? Let's hear them. <laughs> Sorry, they're so different from each other. Great. The first one is boxers versus briefs. Oh, okay. Don't know what I could have ever said or done to indicate (laughs) that I would have an opinion about that that I want to broadcast. (laughs) 
But the the answer, look, I'm going to answer this based on preference, uh-huh. not based on my inventory. This is okay. not actually necessarily a statement that reflects what is ordinary for me. Mm-hmm. But preference is boxer briefs. It's got yeah. It's got to be boxer briefs. I too mostly wear what are essentially boxer briefs at this point because they're just tiny shorts. Huh. Um. The next one just says blue, and then it says in parentheses, "Magic color dark deck archetype." Hmm. Yeah, I could see that definitely being something that I'm smug about because anyone who's played Magic the Gathering knows that blue is the annoying color. Mm-hmm. Because blue has counter spells and a bunch of stuff that controls the pace of the game so that if you're playing blue, basically your opponent doesn't get to play their cards and doesn't get to do any of the stuff that they want to do. Mm-hmm. You just interrupt them and delay them until you win the game instead. And it's very annoying. Mm-hmm. And it is not my favorite way to play magic. And it's my least favorite thing to play against. Mm-hmm. However, in my opinion, not enough is said about how annoying white is. Mm-hmm. Because white just makes games longer. Yeah. By giving you a lot of little creatures, especially creature tokens, and by making you, the player who is playing white gain life Mm -hmm. and that just makes games longer which is not necessarily fun in my mind especially if i'm playing on arena which is the primary way that i play magic the gathering and i don't play arena to get into really long intense games where it's like "Ooh, what's gonna happen (laughs) what we're such an equal match you know I play arena to play rapid fire games that I win as quickly as possible, which is why I I mostly play red and also black. You know why white is also annoying and a white blue deck is actually my preference a lot of the time? Yeah. It's because a lot of the cards that are in a lot of the, not all, not in every iteration, but in general, white has a lot of flying cards. Yes. And so does blue. And so does blue. So like Mm -hmm. a white blue flying deck is like... If you go against somebody that doesn't have any way to block that, you just win. And that's one of the main disadvantages to the way that I play with mostly red and black is that I don't often have great defense for that, except for spells that eliminate the creatures with flying Mm -hmm. as opposed to blocking them. The other main disadvantage is that there's not a lot of um, ways to counteract enchantments. Yeah. Uh, when you're playing red and also black sometimes. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of hate for blue and I think it is mostly justified. Okay, the last topic Park wrote is public radio. That's interesting. Do you see? It's like why it's like, it's such a funny, like, can you imagine finding this on the ground? <laughs> yeah, I can. And it would be very confusing. Um you would find that on the ground and say, what's a park with an E? <laughs> Why did they spell park wrong? If you weren't in the know. Um, I said park. P-A-R-K. Park E. <laughs> yeah. P-A-R-K-E. K-E. Park. Park E. e. Yes. <laughs> the perfect joke. Um, but yeah, but in, in Park's case, you wouldn't say park E. You would just say park. Um. Uh, 
public radio, um, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of use for it. I've, I've gone, I've gone through phases where I use it more and I, I certainly want it to be there. Even if I use it very little, mm-hmm. I would be very disappointed if it went away. What that means for me currently is there's a local NPR station. There's a local classical station, which is run out of the same operation. Mm -hmm. And then there's this other thing, which is community radio here in Tucson. Oh, interesting. And they also have pledge drives Mm. like NPR. Mm -hmm. So my understanding is that they are set up like a nonprofit. I mean, I'm sure they are a nonprofit, um, but it's not uh, affiliated with NPR. Um, That's the thing that I put on the most if I put on the radio in my car. Mm -hmm. And in my car is the only context in which I would listen to a radio station. Mm -hmm. Um, But mostly when I'm in my car, I use Bluetooth and I listen to one of my podcasts. But I listen to the radio a lot, actually. Yeah, and I've gone through phases of doing that. And I still find use for it, but it's not the primary thing that I'm doing. Yeah. Um and 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 I want and you know, in 2016 it felt a lot more urgent to pay attention to the news. Mm-hmm. And that extended into even 2017 and I listened to NPR a lot more. My tolerance for listening to NPR, I think, has gone down and down and down. Mm-hmm. And um, the cl- the classical station, the local classical station, I, you know, I used to work there um, in mm-hmm. in public radio and was also public television. I still work very close by, but um, I don't think it's a threat to me to <laughs> voice my opinions publicly about um yeah talk about smug i mean talk about uh the the pot calling the kettle black if i say oh, i listen to this to this audio medium and and the people are too smug <laughs> or they sound too <laughs> smug but but listening to the classical station i just don't i don't get like welcoming accessible vibes from yeah. listening to the people on the local classical station mhm I get like, uh, this is kind of playing into the hoity-toitiness of listening to classical music. And I, I have to compare it to the Tempe Phoenix classical station, which I listened to when I lived there briefly, and which I have a preference for. Oh, interesting. Yeah. To the extent that I have preferences about classical music radio, uh, <laughs> I found that I liked listening to their version more than my local version here. Our classical music radio, I do not have as a preset in my car. Kenny does, and I, I don't. I do. And um, it not is that because... I'm using it very often. Go on. It is because my classical music station is... I swear to God, they play more harpsichord than any other fucking thing I've heard in my life. I if it is a one in three chance that if you turn on the classical musical radio station that you will hear a fucking harpsichord. And I didn't mind this, but for some reason it has nestled its seedy thorn yeah. into my my soul and I cannot fucking stand the harpsichord. 
I'm, I'm sure I would react the same way. In, in theory, Do you know what a harpsichord is specifically? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and in theory, I think I like harpsichord music. And hearing you say that, I think oh, I could be into that. And then I'm sure I would get sick of it if it was ex- as excessive as you're describing. This is also not fair to harpsichordists, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like, I like harpsichord music mostly when it's played as a joke. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's a very specific flavor that should be deployed in specific contexts. Yeah. And shouldn't be the primary thing that you hear most often when you put on a particular radio station. Exactly. So that's my thought on that. But I do, I do. I mean, so our local NPR station is a little bit different because it's in DC. So the local Mm -hmm, news is kind of national, national news a lot yeah. of the time. Right. So it's interesting because sometimes the um, – one thing that is interesting I think that will happen is that sometimes you have your local reporters reporting on something that is national news. Right. Um, different than the national reporters that are playing. But, uh, yeah, I love NPR. If I'm, I'm just going to be a basic white bitch and say it. Yeah. I love NPR. It yeah. makes me feel good. It makes me feel comfortable. I don't yeah. feel like I'm going to be hurt. <laughs> Right. No, definitely. Um, I don't love NPR, but also I definitely think that it should be supported. Yeah. And when it comes to public radio, my general opinion is like the more local, the better. Yes. Um, I definitely want to see it thrive, even if I have problems with it and I don't have a ton of use for it in my daily life. Mm hmm. And the local community radio station, KXEI, uh, I would prioritize over the NPR and the classical. Yeah, I would always I would always prioritize WAMU over the just NPR in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, this is from Sarah. Please. So we did touch on this a little bit, but okay. I think that she's asking for... We touched on this as a more specific experience. She wants to know the perfect way to watch a movie. Yeah. So we, we this is also like our movie trailers conversation, similar to our conversation in your Ideal Outings episode pretty recently. Mm-hmm. And I have told you at length my uh, complicated relationship with movie theaters. Yes. And I don't think it's a good use of our time to retread that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, basically, the best way to see a movie is one of the reasons that it's the best is that you can't control it and you can't count on it. Mm -hmm. The best way is in the theater and nothing goes wrong. Yes, that's fair. Yeah. The best way is in the theater. It's not so full that it makes you claustrophobic Mm -hmm. but it's full enough that you are watching a movie with a crowd Mm -hmm. and nobody ruins the experience by being an unwelcome distraction Mm -hmm. and you feel yourself not only engrossed by the movie but part of a group of people Mm -hmm. that are engrossed by the movie and it like casts a spell over you and you walk out and and you're just one of a bunch of people going like wow you know what about this what about that 
That was so cool. That's the best way. That also is one in a million. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what makes it the best way. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely seeing Endgame for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know I've mentioned this before, but that kid, that like 14-year-old boy who when Captain America picked up Thor's hammer just screamed, I knew it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like he had like believed in right. Captain America and it was just, he was so happy. Yeah, that's a really, <laughs> really special moment. Um, and I don't have a specific story of a specific thing that was shouted that way, but I have the uh, familiar experience of, yeah, seeing Endgame in the theater. It was packed. That, you know, it's okay that it was super packed. And it was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, in my mind, I think it was the the funny thing about that experience is that it was the same year as Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And those experiences are so similar in that those are two enormous movies that huge crowds went to see. And you want, and if you're like me, you wanted to brave the huge crowds in order to see them early. Yeah, same. And what's funny is the comparison between Endgame being a catharsis that everyone seemed to enjoy and was a real fuck yeah moment for Mm -hmm. lots of us compared to Rise of Skywalker, (laughs) which what I remember about that experience seeing it in a crowded movie theater was some people, some, some guys, maybe bros might be accurate, pretty near us in the theater when, when, Ray and Kylo Ren kiss, uh-huh. like laughing out loud at, at that <laughs> moment, which I think is a little unfair, but also is a little bit justified. But is is if anything funny for us? Yeah, I think I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to try to speed run one last one? Um, well, let's see what the next one is, and then I'll tell you how much longer I want to go. I'm going to skip this one, actually. I'm going to be a little bit more selective. That's food-related. Oh, I actually think this is good, That I think you could probably speedrun this. What makes a good intro to a TV show? Um, okay, so I'm not sure if I understand what the question's asking about, but I'm assuming that it means, like, theme song. I think it means like opening theme, yeah. Right. Maybe mm-hmm. not just the song, but also because I have a very specific one that I think is the best opening. Can I hear really quickly what the one you skipped was? Yeah, it was favorite pizza pie. <laughs> oh, and with a, another excellent illustration, and thank you for showing it to me. Yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, I I I like pizza toppings that make it less like pizza, <laughs> uh, like a buffalo chicken pizza. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, but the sort of generic, uh, ordinary pizza topping that I like most is sausage. Oh, yeah. Um, the intro to a TV show, um, trying to, th- I mean, Avatar The Last Airbender has one of the best ones, mm-hmm. but it has like an even better, like, closing that, like, chugga to chugga to chugga song mm-hmm. over the credits. I mean, being the age that we are, 
probably the TV show intro that made the biggest, longest lasting impression on me is the Pokemon anime, which we were just talking yeah. about during screen time. That song is, you know, one of the jams that goes hardest uh, in my nostalgia riddled brain. But yeah, I mean, I feel like it's become trendy to have less and less of an opening or yes. an intro, which I'm basically fine with. And and like part of part of what streaming is giving given us is that it is normal. It's normal to watch something via streaming, and it's normal for anything streamable to have a skip intro button. Mm-hmm. Which I think nine times out of ten I'm using. Mm-hmm. And the exception to that rule is mostly anime related because mm-hmm. it's it's a trope or a convention of anime to have these like epic intros that why would you skip them they're amazing so i have a i have a very specific intro which i think is the best intro ever go for it and it's recent uh-huh. um I mean, I'll sort of preface this by saying that, like, the two intros that I think of that really stick out to me are the intros to Doug and Clarissa Explains It All. You know, with Doug, you get the... Very catchy. And, um, with them introducing... And the same... Clarissa Explains It All has a very similar, like, thing where it's, like, a white background and the character sort of coming on and off to introduce them. Mm-hmm. But I think that, hands down, my favorite introduction to any show ever is Severance. I yeah okay I understand you yeah I, I personally I don't agree but to to each their own and I would not argue with you because I I can un, I can understand saying that and I also want to say that it is made especially joyful to me every single time because it's in like a sort of claymation style I don't think it was actually done with clay mm-hmm. um. But it feels like a, it feels to me in my mind, I, every time I watch that, I think of Adam Scott saying, could a depressed person make this? And then Mm. playing the like two and a half seconds of stop frame animation he's done when he's like unemployed in Parks and Rec. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So the fact that, like, there ends up being in a different show, in a different universe, and essentially a stop frame animation of Adam Scott's face. (laughs) Yeah. Is extremely funny to me every time. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to speak on that because I would need to see it again in order to... Oh, the opening? Yeah. Because I found that to be a perfectly fine intro that was skippable. And so I think I've only seen it maybe once or twice. Oh man. Yeah. I watched it every time, but I just thought it was really beautiful. I thought it, the reason I like it and then we'll stop is that I like that it is, um, an abstract representation of what happens in the show. Yeah. And so as you watch the show, at least who knows what will happen in the second season, but as you watch the show, the sort of things you're seeing in the introduction, which are very abstracted, start to make more sense thematically with the show. And so I feel like the introduction sort of reveals itself over time. Um, right. With as the show progresses, which besides it being, I just think very beautiful to look at. Yeah, totally. I, I think the, the, um, there's a problem with intros 
now of days, which is um, if you're watching a certain type of show, which there's a lot of them, and mm. I mean like hour-long dramas, which is yeah, like, yeah. then there in recent years, there has become basically just one accepted way to craft your intro for that type of show. Oh, like the Game of Thrones intro? I was going to call it the Westworld way. Okay. But it is pretty similar to Game of Thrones. I don't... Game of Th- What Game of Thrones did, I think, was excellent and so specific that, yes, everyone's copying it, but in... The thing is that, like, Game of Thrones did one of the best ever. Mm-hmm. Then Westworld did their version, mm-hmm. which is clearly inspired by what Game of Thrones did, but it did it did it differently enough that it that Westworld was the one that gave everyone else something that they could copy. Mm-hmm. That was more generic than what Game of Thrones was doing. And now, like, any show that you could put on has this, like, very serious contemplative music mm-hmm. with this, like, you called it, like, an abstract interpretation of what's happening in the show. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you're getting this like imagery that's kind of abstract. And we're like, we're like lingering on it. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, here's this, here's this image and we're going to linger on it. And it's going to sort of like, it's something like cr- moving, like creepingly slow. Right. Mm-hmm. We linger on that for a few seconds while one name appears in the credits. And then the next, and the new name has another image, and maybe it's the same thing from a different angle, or maybe it's just a really mm-hmm. similar thing. And maybe it's like, maybe, you know, maybe it's like blood, like flowing through something, or maybe it's just like, we, we, the last two shows that we watched, because it's spooky season, we watched The Haunting of Hill House, and we watched The Haunting of Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. And they have intros that are exactly like this. They, they do the thing that I'm talking about in their way, which is very generic mm-hmm. and which every show apparently seems like obligated to do. Like once upon a time before Disney plus there were um, Marvel TV shows that were made for Netflix. Yes. And yeah. like daredevil, Jessica did. Jones, daredevil, daredevil did this. I I understand that I understand the tone that they were trying to set. Mm hmm. And that Daredevil's intro was sort of appropriate for that tone. But like my Marvel superhero show shouldn't be doing this, you know, very somber, moody thing. Yeah. Westworld was really good. And and, and Westworld was an intro that I usually wouldn't skip. Yeah. So. That's fair. Yeah. I think for me, the best ever is Game of Thrones. For, yeah, because they had like a map and the map would change. Exactly, yeah. For song and creative visuals, yeah. Game of Thrones is is at the tippy top. And then Westworld did their spin on it, which was very successful, though it didn't quite reach the height of Game of Thrones. Yeah. 
And now everyone does a Westworld thing, despite the fact that Westworld was canceled. <laughs> and yeah. So basically ended up being a failure. But it still set a, a template that we're that we're stuck with for the foreseeable yeah. future. I remember when I watched The Last of Us, I was like, oh, they're doing great, this thing. great example. Yes. It's yeah. exactly the same. It's, it's just ex- it's exactly the same. But I would argue that that is different than Severance by a lot. Severance did something different. Yeah. It definitely has like the more somber music, but um, it feels very. I think it. I think it's a totally different look than Severance did something more playful, and, yes, and more dynamic mm-hmm. than what most shows have done, which I would like to see less of. Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense as a topic that I would have thoughts about. <laughs> Um, and I think we got to two of my own topics. Yeah, I guess we did. Do you want me to tell you what the other ones were? What, uh, do do you mean in the bag? Yeah. I would rather you didn't because we're over two hours and I- Yeah, that's fine. We, so we should stop podcasting despite the fact that, yeah, there's more in there. And if you told me what else was in there, I would not be able to stop myself from (laughs) continuing- So if if it's not a burden on you, no, then then leave them in the bag and hold on to the bag and uh, try not to fumble the bag. Yeah, I'll put it right back on my shelf. And perhaps we'll have a use for it in the future. Yeah. Th- thanks. Thanks for securing the bag. And, and yeah, of thanks course. for Thank setting you for me up. Per- Thanks for also giving me such a beautiful leather bag that I can carry around. Well, you're welcome. And I didn't mind giving it to you because it's not the only one that I have. So yeah, oh, really? Have this, <laughs> we have a matching set. I have this red one. And I used to have a blue one as well, but I don't have eyes on that currently. Oh. But I gave you the green one because I thought... I always thought of them as being something that looked like they were out of Legend of Zelda. Yeah. And obviously the green one most evokes that. Which I yes. thought would uh, appeal to you. It does. Also, green's my favorite color, but it is very Zelda-y. Um, well, I love you very much. Thank you for this episode, Will. And of course. And I'll talk to you soon. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngestofone, and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram at exclamate underscore on Twitter or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs>